Well, good morning. It's great to be here. Uh, please take a seat. Thanks for the intro, Jono. <laughs> the, uh, it is it's truly great to be here. Um, people say, ask me um, where I go to church, and I say, well, I'm a regular visitor at True North. But um, in my role, I work for Churches of Christ, and from last Friday, I've been in the role for nine years. It's uh, been an incredible journey, an incredibly privileged role. Um, I originally started out in the role as they knew as Minister to Ministers, and which meant I got to travel throughout our state, uh, looking after the ministers in our, our churches. And then it's gradually moved and shifted to where I do a lot more work with the minister and their leadership teams. And uh, we've got some great churches uh, throughout WA, and there's some fantastic things ha happening. And often I wish I could just tell some of the stories that I'm privileged to see and that are happening. The other couple of weeks ago I was at Shalom House Church, which is coming under our banner, um, which is uh, Peter Lyndon James, uh, working with a lot of the guys who are coming out of addictions. And man, you want to go to a church that's rocking, Saturday night, head out there to Beachborough and... Uh, so there's some fantastic things happening to see these guys that had 12 baptisms the other week. And uh, so, and then we have uh, West City Church that are doing an incredible work with uh, refugees. And they had, uh, they've had nine um, people, Muslims, convert to Christianity and uh, seeing some awesome things happening there. And it's interesting, SBS wanted to do a documentary on what was happening there and they said no thank you which was a very wise move <laughs> but uh, you know I want to share this morning uh, Amber shared it during one of the songs remember who God is and this morning I want to ask you to remember who you are and as part of it I want to weave in some of my story over the last four four or five years as I journeyed and in, in my role, um, walked with God. But, you know, as you walk with God, I think God is so big. There's always more. And I think he's planted that seed of longing in our hearts that we know he's bigger. He, we know there's something more if we'll pursue him. One of the books that started me on the journey was a book by uh, Mark Buchanan. And it's a book called Your God is Too Safe. And he has the concept that for many Christians, we find Jesus and we get to know him and we make a decision to follow and to serve him. And it becomes very much like those who have travelled overseas and you go through a border and you come out of one country and you're in this space. It's not this country but it's not this other country either. It's in borderland. You're safe out of the other one, but you don't quite fully go in to the next one. And he had this picture. He said a lot of Christians tend to get stuck in borderland instead of moving into what he called the holy wild. Does that get you? Don't you want something? The holy wild. And... Uh, 
So that got me going. And then uh, later on I was started doing a course and one of the books we were asked to read was Mansions of the Heart. And it talks about you know, just going deeper at different levels as we grow and as we got to know God. And this author had seven levels basically going deeper in your relationship with God. And the, uh, as I read it, I read stage three talks about um, you're, you're in relationship and following Jesus. As I read it, I thought, wow, I just sense and I felt that most of our, lot of people who become Christians get stuck there. And they follow Jesus, but they get stay there. And they don't continue to pursue, to develop, to grow, to mature into who God wants them to be and who they really are. I want to pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we present ourselves to you this morning. Right here right now. Lord, we consecrate to you our spirit, our soul, our body, our hearts, our minds and our will. We consecrate to you our giftings, our seeing, our perceiving. We consecrate these prayers to you. Father, we pray that from your glorious, unlimited resources, you would give us a mighty inner strength by the power of your spirit in our inner being, in our innermost being. We pray that Jesus Christ will be more and more at home in our hearts. We pray that our roots would grow down deep into the soil of your marvellous love. That we would be rooted and grounded in your love. And that we would have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, how low and how deep your love really is. We pray to know you, to really know and experience the love of Jesus. In Jesus' name, this morning. Amen. I want you to have a look at a picture here. I use it a number of times. I think it's uh, one of my favourite pictures. And uh, I want you to look past... The characters, myself and uh, my grandson, who actually comes here. And I want to see, I want you to get a sense of what's happening there. What do you think some of the feelings are, some of the, that are, that's happening? Anyway, you feedback some stuff. What do you reckon? Lots there, I can see, I know there's lots of grandparents here. I know how you feel. So, uh, sharing, thank you. Something else? Sorry? Joy, yes, absolutely. Wonder, yes. Trust. Teaching, thank you. Trust, yes. 
Love, yes. Anything else? A bond, thank you. Security, Security thank you. What else? Yes, yeah, at the back. Thank you. Yeah. I want to ask you, when did you last feel like that with God? When did you last feel like you were, had the opportunity, thanks, you can take it down, of just sitting with him and felt all those things that just got said? Safe, secure, love, intimate, trust, protected, embraced, comfort, delight, peace. When did you last feel that? You know, it's interesting, um, Julie and I had the privilege of uh, travelling, doing some travelling uh, a few months ago, and we love camping. And one of my favourite times, sitting around the fire at night, just looking at the fire and looking at the stars. You know, as we sat there, we were travelling for a number of weeks, a couple of times we got the opportunity to just sit there and we had two chairs. One chair would recline, that was our star gazing chair. One chair sat up, that was our fire gazing chair. But it's incredible, we could sit there for probably an hour, no trouble at all, not say a word. But you know, we felt, we felt God was there with us. And, and on a number of occasions, without saying a word, we'd just start praying. I want to ask you, when did you last feel like that? I guess shift emotions a little bit. Can we have the next picture, please? Okay, this picture, let me describe it. There's those three great poles. The far one, all three of them are uh, 26, 27 metres tall or more. They harness you in and then they drag you up towards the third pole and then the ropes come back to the other two and then you have to let yourself go. You pull the cord and you swing. But the trouble is for the first half second or so, it, you feel like you are just free falling from nearly 30 metres. And you just go down and you begin to swing. Let's, can we have the next picture? And then you... And, on your first swing up, you also go so high that then when you start, you just drop like free fall before you start swinging again. How's your stomach going? <laughs> what do you reckon the feelings were there? <laughs> Maybe not terrified, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> but, yeah, thank you. Anything else? Excitement, yes. It was full-on excitement and adrenaline. And I can tell you, the, um, they talked me into, I made the mistake of texting Julie, because this is over east, I told her, I took a picture and told her what I was doing. She said, awesome, you gotta do it again? And, oh. and so I made myself do it again. I had so much adrenaline running through my legs, I couldn't walk hardly after the second time. We didn't, went into dinner that night, I devoured anything I could see. I had that much adrenaline pumping through me. 
But boy, was it exciting when you had to reach out and pull that cord to let yourself go. Wow, you, you could just absolutely feel everything. I want to ask you, when did you last feel like that with God? When did you last feel like that with God? You know, for all of that that just happened, I can feel myself now even just going back through that experience. But you know what happened? I came home and about, and uh, I got the flu. Who's had the flu this winter? It is horrible, wasn't it? And uh, I had it, and then your throat got sore. And then I had to, I was invited to speak to about 20 ministers down in our southwest, and I thought, yeah, I can do this. I'd had the flu the week before. Came the weekend and got better. And then Monday, Tuesday, I wasn't meant to, didn't have to speak until Wednesday. And um, actually, I think it was Thursday. Anyway, it didn't matter. Went down there, drove down, and I think, geez, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do this. And I arrived in Bustleton, pulled up, and you know how every time I swallowed, it just hurt. I could feel a muscle. I thought, how am I going to talk? And uh, I had a, took a phone call. And the phone call was less than a minute and I lost my voice. And it was really, really painful. And I timed it and I had two tablets with me. And uh, I timed it to pop those pills about half an hour before I was meant to start talking to get me through that session. As I sat there, I felt God say to me, don't take the tablets. Oh, you've got to be joking. <laughs> yeah, I, can't, I can't even swallow without it being painful, let alone have to talk for two hours. And I felt God say to me, don't take the tablets. Will you trust me? And I didn't. And I spoke for two hours. I don't remember my throat hurting one little bit. But, you know, and then I got, uh, started to drive home, got the Bunbury, and my throat was killing me. And I felt God say, you take tablets now. <laughs> I got home. You know, I get more excited about telling you that story than the excitement I got out of doing that swing. God's real, friends. God is so real. And I want to ask you this morning, what gets in the way of you knowing him like that? You know, what, what's stopping you experiencing his love and life in all its fullness? Is it busyness? Is it shame? Maybe regret or pride? Resentments maybe, fear? You know, sometimes I think it's just we forget who we are. You know, often the problem is that many of us know the theological truth that, you know, God loves us and we talk about a relationship. You know, we may know that we're loved by God, we're saved by him. But have we really grabbed it? And are we owning it in our hearts? Yeah, because the truth of God, the truth that Jesus tells us is that we're, you know, loved by him it's not just a truth to be known it's a truth to be grabbed hold of that absolutely shifts and changes our lives and our world 
think we get stuck in borderland. And we don't take the steps into the holy wild. You know, when you know God and have peace with him, when you know you have the Holy Spirit, you're able to be fully who God has made you to be. Brothers and sisters of Jesus, a child of the living God, part of God's family. Let me read you Romans chapter 8 and a couple of verses here. So Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Wow, I don't know about you, but that, that just blows me away. You know, when, when I think, the scriptures say, tell me that I'm a brother of Jesus. I'm a child of the living God. You know, as children of God, the Bible teaches us that our security flows. There's three great truths that we can hang on to. That the Father has loved us with an everlasting love. That doesn't change. If you want to look it up, you can, I won't go to it now. But you can look it up in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39. Actually, I will read it. I'm right here. <laughs> um, it says, no. Uh, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to the slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. The second truth we can hang on to is that Jesus died for our sins. You know, as now, this is in Ephesians, he's now with God, sitting with him. And it says he sits at his right hand, interceding for us. Reminding God of what he's done for us. And then the third truth, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, making us co-heirs, children of the living God. That is who you are, a child of God. That's your identity. 
Wow. You know, when we sit with that, I'm a child of the living God, the commander of heavenly armies. So if that's our identity, what's our value? You know, with all the messages that the world gives us constantly through media, through TV, through all sorts of things, have we grasped how much God values you as a child of his? Have you ever thought of that, sat with that and go, wow, this is how much he values me. You see, we don't have to think very far because he reminds us of how valuable we are through what he did on the cross. You, each one of us, as an individual, was worthy of the death of his son. Do you grab hold of that? That's how much he loved you. Yeah, that would change our lives if we remembered that. You never, ever have to doubt how valued you are and what God thinks of you. You know, too often we think our value is in who, what we can do or who will hang out with us or who we can hang out with. That's not our value. You know, when you know Jesus, you're a child of God. You're secured by his love. He invites us into an intimate relationship with himself. God wants to hang out with you. Do we want to hang out with him? Will we give him the time? Will we sit with him? Will we spend time with him? And the interesting thing is, as one of his children, we don't only have access to the Father, we have access to all of his resources as well. You know, our identity is a child of God. Our value is immeasurable. So what difference should it make? How should we live if that's the truth? We sit and listen. We get to know our Heavenly Father. We love him, pursue him. Friends, your next encounter with God is only one experience away. Is only maybe the next time you read his word. Maybe the next time you come to church. Maybe the next time you just sit and listen to him. You experience him in a new way. You know, part of my journey is I began to, I wanted to learn more of God and experience him in different ways. But I had to step out of sight of what I was, I was doing normally. Because as we say, the old line, if nothing changes, guess what? Nothing changes. So I took myself off to a couple of days at uh, New Norcia. 
and uh, spend a couple of days up there with the monks. Just a different experience to help me learn to grow. I took myself off to different conferences just seeking God to pursue him, to learn more of him. But it can be risky. You know, we'll put our faith in steel ropes. I'm sure some of you probably bungee jumped or uh, skydived and we'll put our faith in some thin silk and nylon cords or a giant lackey band. And yet we forget to put our trust in our Heavenly Father as a child of His. You know, just as any parent wants a child to grow up, God wants us to grow up. He has a purpose. He has significance for our life. And the great thing is, he, just, he doesn't leave us floundering. He goes, I'll help you. I want you to grow up. I will enable you. I will empower you to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the first thing he does is try and help us change our hearts, transform our hearts to become more like him. You know, religion calls us to strive to be better, to try harder. But God calls us to know him and to just to be in his presence more. And then he changes us. Because see, we don't, if we've been with God, we won't have to say anything. People will know. People will just know. Maybe some of the stuff that some of us are, are battling with, that God wants to change in our lives. There's stuff like lust or addiction. Impure motives you can't break free of. People pleasing or the fear of what people think. Others, maybe it's a pattern of the tongue. Negative, critical words, angry words, gossip, lies. Maybe others, it's a proud spirit or judgmental attitude or self-righteous spirit makes us feel superior. God had to challenge me on this. And it, it's interesting because in my role, at one stage I got very judgmental because you're dealing, you're going in, you're consulting and you're looking and part of the role is trying to help them see what could be better. And I found myself just getting more and more judgmental. God challenged me on it. He had to change me. I had to be, make sure I wasn't being judgmental. All of us have something that God wants us to work on. You know, we're not perfect till we get to heaven. But the great thing is that he will give us the strength to change. And the whole idea is that he changes us so that then he can work through us and reach out to the world around us. You see, we need God because only God who can set us free and he's given us the Holy Spirit to do that. He wants to change us and to help us grow up and to mature 
And the incredible thing is that he's given us the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Is that, have you ever thought about that? That same power is available to each and every one of us. The power is there to do kingdom work, work for him. You know, Jesus himself said we would do works of the kingdom, works that he, he had been doing and even greater things. But we can't do these things in our own strength. We can't pray for someone sick and heal them in our own humanity. We can't pray for someone who has been abused and see God break them free from the wounds, shame and depression that's associated with abuse. But the Holy Spirit can. At Shalom House the other week, a guy gave a testimony, 38 years old. 30 of those years he's been addicted into all sorts of things. One, in one month, when he went into the program just over a month ago, he couldn't look at anyone, he couldn't read, wouldn't say a word. He stood up in front of everybody and read a testimony of God's power. That's kingdom power. That's God's power. And friends, we have it available to us. And the more we have been with Jesus, the more of his presence we carry the more kingdom works we'll see. So how does God empower us to do these things? Well, we just have to look at Jesus' life. How did Jesus do it? When do we read in Jesus' life that he toiled, that he travailed, that he was so focused is in prayer. It's interesting, isn't it? They're, they're words of working hard, travailing, toiling. And yet when we read of him doing the miracles, calming the seas, yeah, casting out demons, healing the sick, we never read anything that that was an effort. Because he had done his work with the Father beforehand. If I had two minutes to encourage you to do, pursue something, I would say pursue your prayer life. Pursue your prayer life. Pursue prayer in getting to know God. Friends, God wants to pull his chair up to the table and linger with you, to sit with you. What's, what's our general prayer life like? Usually it's you asking for help, help make us come a bit more comfortable, you know, maybe some guidance or direction. And we ask and then what happens? We're out the door. We forget to wait for the answer. We forget to listen. If we're in relationship with somebody, if we did all the talking, how long would they hang around? The other person? How can we hear what God wants to say if we won't sit and we listen to what he's saying to us? Just close with two, two illustrations on prayer. One I love is Daniel. 
You know, he was under some pressure. I don't know, some of you could be under some really significant pressure. By probably okay saying no one's here in, in uh, fear of having their head cut off just at the moment. As Daniel was. And yet what does he do? He asks and with tact and wisdom, he clarifies the issue and he says, can we have some time? What are you facing that you need an answer from God? Will you remember who you are as a child of the living God? That you are incredibly valuable and he wants to change you and work through you. Ask him and then listen. Daniel expected God to answer. Read his prayer, Daniel chapter 2. And then, and God answered. The other one is Elijah. When he sent his servant out to see if a cloud was coming. How many times did he send him? Seven. How many times do we, you know, pray about something? Maybe once, maybe twice, three times often, then we go, okay, done that, now we're gone. If God lays on your heart, will you persist and seek him? Friends, you, we are children of the living God. This week as you go out, will you take that with you as you, who you are remembering how much he values you and trust him pursue him and allow him to change you in Jesus name Amen